Hello, and welcome back to a very special award show edition of the Texas Private School Podcast, the second annual award show, actually, where we will be announcing the semifinalists for each category. This is one of our favorite things to do as we all kind of realized that private school athletics didn't give it enough attention and that all district and all state lists had too many holes and failings that we wanted to make a comprehensive list of the best players in private school athletics, division one through division four. I mean, Walker, you're kind of the mad scientist behind this whole list. I mean, what does it mean to you? And just explain how much work goes into us compiling all these names and being able to get shout out to the best players in private school. Yeah, we, we really take this highly of trying to figure out and dig into every single deep hole we can find and scavenge any piece of data we can find as well. Um, We've looked through Max Preps, uh, the Houston Chronicle, Star Telegram, uh, the Dallas Morning News, uh, uh, you know, Austin's, uh, San Antonio's newspapers. We've looked into, you know, reaching out to coaches, getting the stats truly from them as well to not be biased as well and trying to figure out from there. And um, also, you see a lot of kids also reaching out, be like, hey, these guys should be nominated too. We look into that. We watch film. We try to decide it to where – um everything can go and for some you know for the smaller divisions sometimes it's easier to fill you know the eight spots or around the eight spots that we have but and then sometimes it's so competitive to where you're like you have two guys who had great seasons but who do you really put on there so it's it's really intriguing it's really fun to do but uh i said this last year and i'm gonna say it again we 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 take this really seriously because um we all know growing up a lot of the times with the awards, sometimes you're like, oh, there's bias in there. There's, you know, stuff like that. And you see it all the time. And we've tried to do it basically on what you've been awarded, what stats you have and how good of an athlete and player you are. So we holistically review that. And that's what you see today. Yeah, for sure. I think this for sure can be considered a more reputable award system because the three people that make up the panel who decides who gets on this list and who wins the awards, we're completely third party. We have no association with TAPS or any of the teams. Whereas all district, all state is, you have coaches voting for these things. And as much as they might say they don't, we all know they're human beings. They have a little bit of bias because they coach for and against these other kids. So I really like what we've done in terms of kind of taking three uh, outside individuals and making sure that we are the ones to unbiasedly decide who gets these awards. Ryan, I mean, this is something that we love to do every year, this being the second year now that we've done it. I mean, what are your thoughts on us being able to give recognition to these athletes and just stellar performers in Texas private school athletics? I mean, it means a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing that we were able to do last year on such short notice. I mean, when you think about it, we, we got it done in a short amount of time and we were able to do um, – you know, basically, we basically just started last year and we did it. And I, I could tell you immediately that that was just like the beginning of something that I realized I'm like, man, I want to do this every year. Like just seeing the guys get the, these awards, it means a lot to them. And, you know, you'll hear Walker describe it, but I mean, it's a whole different kind of award. I mean, you could see it behind me. It's going to look something like that this year, maybe again, but it's 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 a really nice piece and it's really um, well done and I think guys appreciate it more than 
you know, maybe sometimes just a janky old um, trophy that they have. I mean, it's a, it's a nice piece of work that you can put on your wall in your dorm room um, and something that you feel proud of versus something that you feel is a reminder of high school. I mean, I, I think there's a, you have to hit that balance sometimes of, you know, not, not trying to like grab onto your old high school days, but at the same time, you know, you can, you can grab recognition for something that you accomplished in, in, in high school and no one's going to give you crap about it. No, I completely agree. That's a big part of what we all decided last year. So we didn't want to make uh, a crappy little plastic award that you could tell costed like 75 cents from the Dollar Tree. I mean, Walker did a lot of this. I mean, he went out, he found someone that, you know, specialized in metal work and kind of gave him the idea that we wanted. You know, we know we wanted the Texas logo and kind of spitballed ideas. And we came out with something that I think we're all three very proud of and something that I think if you win, I mean, you will be happy to have and you know it's a high quality product. So all of this just to say, a lot of work goes into this. This isn't something we just wake up one morning and be like, yeah, we'll throw some names on a list. I mean, I just want to convey how much work goes into this from all three of us. I remember me and Walker sat on a call for probably like three hours on like a Tuesday night, literally just to slim down maybe five categories in division two. I mean, that's how hard it is to differentiate between the talent on these lists. So yet again, a ton of work goes into this. We really appreciate all of you sending in your own stats. What makes this job so fun is how interactive it is with everyone. But Without further ado, I'm incredibly excited to be able to do this for TAPS Division One. These are the semifinalists for each award category.
right. So those are our semifinalists for each award category in Division One. I. I mean, it took a ton of narrowing down and weeding out, but these are the roughly eight to 10 names for each category that we thought were deserving of being semifinalists. I think before anything, we need to talk about probably the most prestigious award, the overall MVP. So Walker, I'll turn to you first. I mean, there were probably, what is that, like eight guys on here that it's really, really competitive, but your thoughts on the talent listed in the Division One MVP and, you know, who's got a really solid shot at coming away with a finalist spot and the overall award itself? Yeah, the MVP list is ridiculous being real. You have, what is that, eight guys that are true studs in uh, TAPS Division One, and uh, any any team would love to have these guys. They're they're solid players. They're good players and had a sensational season. Some guys on both sides of the ball, sometimes just in their position, just dominating. And that's what you want. Um, and you have different guys from the North, the South who are competing. You have both sides of the ball. You have guys who should be going. A lot of those guys are going to go on and play division one ball at the next level. And some guys who are very underrated and some guys who deserve to be recognized more. And that's why some of these guys are there. So, I mean, great list of guys. What is that? Two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, uh, defensive linemen, uh, and some other guys. I mean, some running backs and we saw a lot of these guys play this year, all of us. And we decided like looking at these guys, like these guys are sensational. And after watching the film, we were like, the true purpose, and we'll talk about it more later, but the most valuable player means the most valuable player on that field and for your team. And these guys just uh, just are that for their teams and in games. So, No, for sure. I mean, just some of the names looking at this, the star power here is really, really something to marvel at. You have Andrew Paul from Parish Episcopal, one of the best running backs we have seen in taps in a long time. We have River Rodriguez, the absolute warrior from Midland Christian, Silas Gomez from Central Catholic, a great quarterback in his own right, Isaiah Schmitty, the workhorse running back from Bishop Lynch, Brant Alfinger from All Saints, Jake Wright from Houston St. Thomas, McGuire Martin from Plano Prestonwood, and Curly Thomas from Fort Worth Nolan Catholic. So just all of those names alone, if you follow Taps football, they're household names. I mean, they're elite star power. Ryan, I already turned to Walker and asked for his thoughts on the MVP list, but what do you think of the guys we've compiled for the TAPS D1 MVP and just your thoughts on the overall talent? I, I mean, there? yeah, it's, it's like, it's like you, what you said. It's, it's household names that about every single person knows. I mean, it's a bunch of guys that proved by far to be like absolute athletes this year. Um, I, I think you, it's, it's funny saying this, but you know, and then it's going to seem kind of cliche, but, I feel like every one of these athletes deserves some type of award. I mean, they're all literally incredible players um, at their positions. We, we were able to get, you know, a good amount of quarterbacks on this list, got some running backs on this list. I mean, we were able, you know, to give the guys recognitions and then like one guy from each team, which is perfect because it really does mean, like Walker said, the most valuable player on your team. I think this is, I think these are the perfect guys and the perfect, per, this is the perfect player from each team that not saying that it wasn't hard to choose, but I feel like we got the perfect player from each team that we thought was the most valuable player on I each one of those agree. teams. I mean, I am very, very pleased with how the MVP list trimmed out and the players we decided would go on that list. So um, 
basically, is there anything else that either one of you want to hit on in Division One in terms of the categories of awards? I know there's a lot of categories. Just anything else that's particularly interesting to either of y'all in terms of the Division One list? I mean, for me, I know receiver of the year, you have dogs in that receiver position for TAPS D1. Um, a lot of those guys over had, over, had over 1,000 yards receiving or – when you watch them play, were just sensational. And some of them maybe had less receiving yards, but more touchdowns. So you have that, those factors all have to go into play for next, the next round. But that, those guys are dogs, man. It's insane. So, um, and then another position I really liked, uh, linebacker, uh, dog after dog, after dog, after dog. Most of those guys had over a hundred tackles on the, on the season. And, you know, usually you have, the, the better guys have over a hundred, but when you have multiple guys that are even over, I think uh, some of those guys had like over 130, you're like, they had sensational years. Um, the sensational year, all those guys at the linebackers position. Oh yeah. I think the class of 22 linebacker is not, not class, the linebacker class in private school this year is one of the most underrated facets of the state. I think the amount of talent in that group just is currently overrated. And I'm really excited to see, not really excited. I'm kind of, it's going to pain me to have to trim that list down because of all the talent we have in there. Ryan, you have any comments about either of those position groups? You know, I was going to say defensive player of the year, defensive yeah. player of the year is, a, is, a, is another one that's going to be really, really hard. And I think you, I think that's just, you know, <laughs> a lot of those are just, you know, some of the linebackers, like, you know, we, you, you have just uh, imagine taking the linebacker list and then just making it bigger with even better players on it. Like that's I feel like how hard the linebacker decision is. Yeah. It's going to be even harder because now we got to go and pick a defensive player of the year award too. It, it's, it's crazy the amount of talent in D one. And you know, that's why we're here because there's a lot of talent that deserves to be recognized. So many great Keegan Addison, Cooper Malin, Luke, uh, Luke McGarry, Brody Dickinson, you have so many guys on this list that are just like absolute studs. I, you know, Daniel Demiri, uh, Tanner Carlisle, like every one of those guys is a stud. Curly Thomas, I mean, every one of them. That's that's a hard category. That's a very very hard category. No, it'll it'll be very very difficult for us to trim that down. But it's a job I'm excited to do. I think it'll be very interesting to see who emerges out of these categories to take over that spot. However, that is our semifinalists for the TAPS Division I Awards. And now we get the pride of looking at the Texas Private School Podcast semifinalists for Division II.
So those are our TAPS Division II semifinalists for all the categories. I mean, looking at MVP, I think we're going to say this about almost all the MVPs, but good Lord, this is hard to trim down. I mean, the amount of star power, I'm literally just repeating what I said for Division I, but it really is the same thing. I mean, you have Tyson Flowers, you have Brady Dever, Gabriel Grubbs, Everett Skillern, Drew Dickey, Jaleel Brown, Jack Esparza, Zeke Long, Luke Anderson, and Luigi Cristiano. I mean, all of those kids, like, deserve to win MVP. And the fact we have to pick one is criminal. I mean, I've seen almost all of those kids on this list play in person. They are all phenomenal. They're studs, they're dogs, they're whatever you want to fill in the blank. Walker, I mean, it, it's a tough decision to have to cut it down, but your thoughts on all the kids we have at Division II MVP and the impact they made, made for their respective teams? Um. Yeah, those MVPs are sensational. They are, and they had insane years, helped those guys, um, you know, go and achieve great things for a lot of those schools who, you know, the second Baptist, you know, you have Everett helped them lead over regions this year and go to the state championship. And the reigning MVP, Drew Dickey's back there again, who had his great year winning the state championship last year. And even if they didn't get back to the state, they went still went 10 and 0 in the regular season. So that plays into how good of a quarterback he is. Um, and, you know, one thing I really like to mention, and I mean, Wes, this receiver position for receiver of the year, insane. I think most, I believe most of those receivers all had over a thousand yards receiving or like 14 touchdowns on the year. It was insane of this year for those uh, wide receivers. And like, we're going to have to do it, but like, how do you narrow those? How do you narrow it down to four? Like, I have no idea how we're going to be able to do that. Um, but another one, I really like the defensive lineman group this year. Um, a lot of those guys had great years, uh, great years. And not even like the Dallas Christian guys who had two guys on that list. We named two guys from Dallas Christian's defensive line who were great all year. You also have kids from Bishop Dunn and Gary Cook who, you know, you don't really hear a lot about Bishop Dunn anymore, but had a sensational year down there in Dallas. Um, I mean, overall, great, great year. The underclassman newcomer of the year, it's going to be really intriguing to see who pulls that one out as well. Yeah, there's a lot more talent in the underclassmen group than I think we realized before we started putting it, putting together this list. But we start putting names on paper like, oh, my gosh, all these kids are freshmen or sophomores. It's crazy. It's crazy to think how much young talent resides in Division Two and imagining what those kids are going to grow into over the next couple of years is incredibly, incredibly exciting. But Walker, I mean, I mean, Ryan, first uh, MVP, what are your thoughts on that list? And then get into anything else you want to talk about regarding the rest of the semifinalists. I mean, I was just going to say, like, it's crazy. You have guys that play two sides of the ball on this list. I mean, that's that, in my opinion, like you, you don't see that a lot in D1 because there's a lot of players in D1. You have a lot more guys at each school. But when you get to D2, you start to have guys, if they're good enough and they have enough stamina, they're going to play both sides of the ball. And what, uh, Tyson Flowers plays both sides of the ball or uh, Everett Skillern plays both sides of the ball. I mean, it's guys that are already like some of the best of their team. There's a reason why they're on this MVP list. It's because, you know, they can get it done on both sides of the ball. And then they're elite on at least one side of the ball. They're elite at it, right? So 
I think that's, you know, I think that's just super exciting to see. And then you have great quarterbacks on this list. I mean, you got uh, Brady Dever and you got Drew Dickey, two guys that basically ran the South this year. Um, you know, it's, it's great to see a bunch of names like that. The one thing that's really criminal, which I don't know how we, you know, how we didn't get this on here. No grace or no legacy uh, MVP on here. We got a Southwest guy, but I don't see a grace or a legacy MVP. I don't, I don't know how we missed that. Uh yeah, so no, but seriously though, that's how you know we're not biased. We didn't put our own schools on there, but no, 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 pause, pause, pause. No, on the MVP, on the MVP, on the MVP. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I got a legacy guy somewhere on this list, but let me let me let me make it clear though. I, I I want y'all to know we're not biased. We don't just put random players on here that don't deserve it. I mean, for some reason, there's a Southwest kid on here, Tyson Flowers. What you know? That's no. Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, like the guys in this D2 are crazy, crazy good. And I don't know how we're going to dim, dim down some of these categories. I, I don't know how you, you know, how you choose the receiver category again in this one. Uh, and then, yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep sounding like a broken record every single time that we go down to a different division, but defensive player of the year. Are you kidding me? How are we supposed to do this for every single one of them? This is so hard to do see you know what i love my job doing this but sometimes you just you're like man i know that guy's a dog and now i have to cut him it's like yeah like we try to like you know for every award we try to do eight and then like the offense and defensive we try to go a little bit bigger because of like there's just more positions you know and we try to go around 12 and i believe for defensive player of the year we got it to 15 <laughs> um I, yeah. I think it just shows how good this defensive class is this year. Um, and we were like, all right, well, how do you compete against this guy? And they're like, well, they're both really good. Why don't we just both put them on there? We're like, all right, I guess that's what we're going to have to do. And so that's why the list a little bit longer there. It's just the talent this year and the, the, how well these guys did is sensational. You know, it's great putting more guys on the list because it gives more guys recognition, but then it just sucks even more because then you just got to kick them, kick more guys off the list. Like yeah. that's that's how brutal this is. Offensive player of the year is also a nightmare to try to compile for D2. That this is the list that we that we like sat down for like three hours and was like, okay, I like we thought it'd be like a 30 minute, maybe an hour. <laughs> and just just it was like grinding through like sheet rock trying to like narrow these lists down. But it's it's what makes it fun to put all this work in. Yeah, I'm looking at offensive player of the year. We still have we still have all of their stats written out beside them because that's how we were trying to like <laughs> use these metrics to try to like cut down people. And it's funny, it's just funny how much work we had to put into this. But, also, the I, I don't appreciate the the Grace comment. I, I had to I had what? to control F to make sure there wasn't any any what? Grace players that we missed. And no, they were all just Grace prep players. So uh, oh, <laughs> only I can make jokes about my normal model. That's awesome. They just said control F to find Grace. You found Grace prep. That's hilarious. I saw 17 results. I'm like, surely one of these is a Grace commute. Another all Grace prep. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> but on that incredibly positive note, we will conclude our division two semifinalists. And now for the TAPS Division Three Texas Private School Podcast semifinalists.
So those are our semifinalists for Division Three. Looking at MVP, this is a much more interesting race than I think a lot of people would expect for a Division Three race to be. You have Christian Wells from Covenant Christian, Marcus Ramon Edwards, the Texas Tech football commit from TCS Lubbock, Jalen Talton, the fantastic quarterback from Grace Prep. You have Baxton Townsend, the gunslinger from Lubbock Christian, Enal Edda, the beast from Covenant Christian, Maxwell Landrum, the state champion from Cypress, Smith Nave from Bay Area Christian, and Caden Palladini from Arlington Pantigo. So again, actually a lot of talent. I don't think a lot of people expected to be in Division Three. Walker, I mean, this is also another list that we had a hard time trying to compile or at least whittle down. Your thoughts on the Division Three MVP candidates? Yeah, um, you have guys that, like, you know, we always talk about, oh, well, you know, a lot of the lower divisions, you know, like some people don't think they're that good. You have Christian Wells, who deserves D1 talent, Ramon Edwards, who's been offered by Tech, uh, Jalen Townsend, who's a dog and deserves him, uh, Baxton Townsend, who had a fantastic year, and Aletta is a four-star, top 150 player in the nation in Division Three, and then Paladini, Nave, and Landrum, who had a great years, have been great players throughout their high school careers and are seeing the rewards of it for this past couple of years, especially Nave and Palladini, who are seniors. Um, overall, the MVP list, most valuable player. Those are the most valuable players on the field every time they play. Oh, no question. I mean, Ryan, what do you think about the MVPs from Division Three? Yeah, I mean, you got you got Max Olinger, you got a quarterback that's state champion, and then you got Marcus Ramon Edwards, who I think does you got two sides of you know the state championship game, and I cannot I cannot decide between those two who I think is a better player. I think they are both extremely like tippity top of their of their section. You got two guys from the same team who I thought were incredible, Christian Wells and Eno Edda. Um you know, it, it goes without saying that the guys that are on the MVP are obviously going to be at the top of the top, but Man, there are some dogs on this list. And yes, I love the whole comment about having a top 150 player in the country, a four star, just sitting in Division Three. It is, it's crazy with some of that kind of stuff, stuff that you would have never known if you know, if you didn't, if you didn't, if you weren't into taps and weren't into private school football, you would have never known about that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, I just remember going through the, the newcomer and the underclassmen like we did with the other ones. It's just like you go down these lists and you're like, you sure that guy is a, a sophomore? You sure he's a sophomore? No, nah, no, nah, he can't be a sophomore. So I, I'm excited for, for those as well. I'm excited to see those guys play in a couple of years too. It'll be crazy to see how they improve. No, for sure. And on your comments about finding talent in, uh, in TAPS D3 and D4, I mean, I'll go to my grave saying, I've said it a million times. If you say you can't find talent in number one private school, number two, even the lower divisions of private school, you're ignorant. I mean, it's just straight up. I mean, you can find talent literally wherever you want to look in private school. That is D1 through D4. Put that on my gravestone. I will go to my deathbed saying that it's not even debatable at this point, especially when you look at literally all the evidence we compile. But that's just that's just to say how much talent there is in TAPS. And that is shown by looking at the MVP. And especially I like you saying that about the underclassmen. I mean, it is it is funny, like I said, how often we look and we're scrolling and we're like, oh, holy crap, these kids are sophomores. We're like, they have they have two more years to develop and get better. But that's what's exciting. We get to cover them throughout the rest of their careers. However, that, unless there's anything else y'all want, is all that 
is concludes the awards or the semifinalists for TAPS Division Three, And now we move into our final awards, the Texas Private School Podcast semifinalists for TAPS Division Four. are the semifinalists for TAPS Division 4. Looking at this MVP list, it's one that I also like a lot. I mean, I like all of them, as I've stated at this point. But, I mean, you look, you have Zach Johnson, the the back-to-back-to-back-to-back state champion for Shiner St. Paul. You have Levi Hancock, the Texas A&M commit from Brian Braz. Signee now, probably. Signee now. Signee. Oh, that, that is true. I forgot the official terminology. But yes, I mean, he he's an absolute beast. You have Seth Swarinski from Munster Sacred Heart. I probably butchered that. I've seen and said that name probably 15 times now since the state championship, and I still don't know if I have it completely right. You have Zane O'Donnell from Weatherford Christian. You have DJ Matthews from Dallas First Baptist. You have Noah Bodeker from Shiner St. Paul. You have Ryan Burton from Brazos Christian, and you have Austin Kutak from Haltsville Sacred Heart. So, Walker, this yet again is an MVP list in the lowest division of TAPS and still has a guy that's committed to an SEC school on it. So, again, that's kind of backing up the whole point I just made. But, I mean, your thoughts on the talent in this list and what we did to compile it for Division Four? Yeah, we... I mean, first of all, I appreciate everyone who reached out and helped out. We had a lot of coaches reach out and, you know, I really appreciate that because, um, and, you know, just building the community and I really appreciate that. So I said, appreciate that a lot, but that's how much I mean it. Um, 
looking into these guys and looking like deep diving into the division four, you realize how much like there's a lot of good players in this list um, from the receiver position to linebacker to some of the DBs were really good this year. And even offensive linemen, you know, that's kind of a lot of the, when you go to the smaller divisions, you're like, Oh, well, they don't have the guys, big, big guys up front to kind of compete with a lot of teams. Right. But you have a lot of guys on the offensive defensive line who were really good. And because of their smaller divisions, some of those guys had to play both sides of the ball and did really good on both sides. And that's why you see like Elliot Peters uh, and Boston Cox and uh, uh, who else? I'm, I'm trying to look and see who's both sides. I believe that is it, but I could be wrong. And but yeah, both sides playing both sides is very, very impressive. Even at the special teams player, there's a lot of good kickers out there and punters. And I mean, I was really impressed with a lot of these guys that I, you know, not knowing on top of my head, but deep diving into them, they're good players. So, and they had good years. So, yeah, for sure. Ryan, your thoughts on the MVP list and overall, just any other category you want to talk about from division. No, I mean, the MVP list is another, another great one. And I think you have, uh, uh, I just, you have a lot of good guys on that list, but from what I got to see out of Zach Johnson and, uh, what's called, uh, Noah Bodeker and the state game it's just, there's nothing like that. In my opinion, those guys are incredible. And I've heard, I've heard way too many countless stories from y'all about Levi Hancock. I mean, you know, well, what do we call him? The hometown hero, the hometown, you know, even though I'm not from, you know, I'm not in a college station, I still call him the hometown hero. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it's, it's awesome. I, I love these guys. And I, like uh, Walker said, um, you know, sending in this kind of information, because it is harder to find the smaller divisions. I mean, it, it's true. It's, it's always harder to find the smaller divisions than it is the upper divisions, but it's always appreciative of when, whenever we get um, help from the coaches because it's easier to make connections that way. And we're glad that we can, um, we got, we can show recognition to more players just because we now have more information about, you know, the kids that are playing in your, in your uh, specific division of tap. So yeah, I, I go down the list and I just see, you know, it, it, talent, a talent is what I'll say. It, it's talent. It's talent from division one, division four and, that's all I gotta say. I, I love, I love that we were able to get this amount of information about all these different players. We have an insane amount of football players that are all going to be able to reserve, get recognition for the enormous amount of effort they put this put into um, these past years of playing football and you know uh, Texas private school sports. Yeah, I mean, certainly it is. It is one of the best parts of the job to be able to recognize kids for you know outstanding performance this is what this is all about however that concludes taps division four and i mistakenly said that was the last thing we were going to cover it is not we still have the spc category which we will actually cover now so the texas private school podcast spc award show semifinalists here they are now
So that is the Texas Private School Podcast SPC semifinalists. The MVP list is, is very, very interesting here as well. I mean, you have a Georgia commit signee yet. Did he sign? Uh, he, he's not. He's mm, sorry. He has not signed officially yet. So we'll see how that ends up. But he's still committed to Georgia and probably will sign. But hey, in recruiting, you have no idea what will happen. That's a very good way to put it. You have you have Dylan Bell, obviously, who is committed to Georgia. You have his brother, Micah Bell, who is going to go power five somewhere, a tremendous talent of his own. You have Jackson Pierce, an absolute dog from John Cooper. You have Patrick Burke, a stud from ESD. You have John Perdue, the man who proved us all wrong from St. John's. You have Vaughn McKeever, the hidden gem down at the John Cooper School. Chase Kennedy from ESD. And also Alex Lassoud from Kincaid. So yet again, surprise, surprise, an MVP list with a ridiculous amount of talent from private schools. Walker, I mean, I just listed out a bunch of names, and a lot of those names will go to play Division I football. Your thoughts on the MVP list we compiled from the SPC schools? Yeah, most of those guys played offense and defensive side of the ball and dominated, um, or they played one side of the ball and, you know, came in and just helped their team to lead them so far. I mean, Dylan Bell, Dylan Bell was MVP last year, and, you know, we all know how good he was. Uh, Micah Bell, the younger brother, is just as good, and he's a dominant player. Chase Kennedy is going to Utah now, so congrats to him. But that's a great defensive lineman who, I'm, I mean, had a sensational year and everyone respects. Uh, Jackson Pierce, almost a 1,000-yard rusher over there for John Cooper. Vaughn McKeever came in and just dominated for them. Also, the same thing with Patrick Burke, 10-0 in the regular season for ESD, and you showed why of how good Patrick Burke played this year. John Perdue, the guy who just helped – uh, uh, St. John's in every way they could, he could played running back, ran the ball a lot, passed the ball a lot, probably played a little bit of defense, um, and going to Brown. So that's another division one school. So a lot of, a lot of great players on this list and looking like just going into it a little bit more. Uh, I mean, some of the receivers were really good defensive players. Um, even the linemen were really good. Even, um, uh, I, I like some of the young guys coming up. Um, some of those young guys are very, very impressive. So I'm excited to see how they progress. And uh, we might have some good players coming up and rising up the ranks. So, no, without a doubt. I mean, there's certainly young talent everywhere, especially in SBC. Ryan, your thoughts on the MVP list we compiled for SBC, as well as, you know, any other category that sticks out to you from SBC 4 and 3A? Yeah, I. I... You know, it was awesome because I got to go watch the SBC state championships and I was the only one there out of all of us. So I, you know, I get to say that I saw a lot of these guys basically at peak of their performance of what I want. I mean, I, I'm going to say right now, I saw Dylan Bell and Jackson Pierce at the peak of their performance. Are you kidding me? Dylan Bell threw a passing touchdown, he had a rush, rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. How many guys do that in a state championship game? I'm going to tell you right now, not enough. Uh, <laughs> Jackson Pierce literally had five, six touchdowns. He punched in every single score from wherever it was. It almost felt like he was just running the show for John Cooper. I, I don't know. I, some of these guys, Patrick Burke was a great quarterback for ESD, even though they didn't get the championship game, still had an uh, undefeated regular season. That's incredible. You have Bob McKeever, who was the main quarterback of that John Cooper school. Chase Kennedy is going to a uh, Utah team, which is incredible this year and only going to get more incredible with a player like Chase Kennedy. I mean, if it wasn't already clear, 
I have a lot of love for the SBC at this point. These guys are very, very good. And it is crazy that there's so much high power five talent. And Micah Bell, who I didn't even mention, by the way, is a higher rated stars than his brother, uh, a brother is. And his brother is going to Georgia. Does anyone realize how crazy that is? Micah could potentially go to just even as good of a school or better just because of like, you know, all that. And Georgia found Dylan Bell, and that's a steal because Dylan Bell deserves more stars than he has, in, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, the rest of this category is all these categories. I love the quarterback category. Uh, David Capobianco from Kincaid, who's a sophomore, by the way, I think. Patrick Berg, Vaughn McKeever, John Purdue. Every last one of those guys on that list is a, a stud for their team and definitely the leaders of, of the offense, it seems like, for some of those guys. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're broken records. There's a ton of talent, and it's incredibly exciting to be able to see all these guys on paper and get them the recognition that they actually deserve. But that is actually the conclusion of all of our semifinalists for the awards. Be on the lookout in the next coming weeks or so. We will trim that down to a finalist list, and then we will have a proper award show for every person that wins awards for all of these categories. So be on the lookout for that. And finally, before we get away from all of our awards, we have the big four awards from the Texas Prep School podcast. That is large school coach of the year, small school coach of the year, and then large school and small school player of the year. Kind of uh, some superlatives that we like giving out just because we think they're, they're fun to do. And it's kind of a good encapsulation of who performed best at a specific level. So without further ado, here are the semifinalists for large and small coach of the year and large and small player of the year. Obviously, there is a ton of talent coaching and playing from both sides of this list. Uh, Walker, I mean, I don't even know where you start here. There's so many names, whether it's coach or player. What are your thoughts on really any part of this list, large or small coach or player? I mean, I think the large small school coaches speak for themselves. You look at the list of where they where they coach and you're like, I get it. And I mean, we don't have to say too much. Some of these guys are legends in the coaching world in private school. And some of the guys are up and coming and are those guys you're like, Hey, like they're making a name for themselves. Um, Large, large and small school player. I mean, they're kind of the culmination of every single guy. You're like, I get it. And it's just a very impressive list. And I'm very, very impressed with it. Um, I I just, I, I, I just love all these guys on this list. Um, from, you know, Andrew Paul to Curly Thomas to even uh, Patrick Burke from ESD for the large school and to small school. You have the legend Zach Johnson to Ezra Jackson, who had a great year for Weatherford Christian to, um, you know, uh, Vaughn McKeever or Marcus Edwards. I mean, great, great, great group of uh, guys on this list. 
No, certainly. I mean, there is so much talent everywhere in these lists. I say that literally about every time we get done talking about this, but there is. I mean, it just goes to show you how much talent there is in private school. And it's just it's it's fun for us to be able to compile these lists. Ryan, your thoughts on literally any part of these four lists, large or small player or coach? Yeah, if they haven't already, someone's going to definitely click off this if I say there's talent here. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure people already know there's talent here. However, what I will say, which I'm glad we gave recognition, is Coach Steve Hayes. He's the TCA head coach. Um, and I, I wanted to make sure we put him on this list because although he wasn't specifically coaching, he will, he'll be back in uh, Division One next year, but uh, he was not in Division One this year because TCA obviously was in the independent one or 5A or whatever their classification is for that. He's still in TAPS, but need to make sure we give recognition to the Trinity Christian Addison team that absolutely just was dominant this year. And Steve Hayes, um, as the coach of that uh, school, definitely deserved um, to be on that uh, semifinalist list. We actually uh, remembered him at the last second. And I was like, I was like 100%, 100% have to put him on there. So want to make sure that we uh, we recognize him. Everyone, the rest of the guys we've already talked about. So I won't say anything else about them, but should I say it? It's a lot of talent on this list. Oh, hey God. I really, I need a counter for how many times I've said this this episode, because we're probably upwards of, of a dozen. But I mean, hey, I mean, if I say it that much, it means it's probably true, but I won't say it again just for the sake of everyone listening. But with the conclusion of that, that actually is all of our semifinalists. Be on the lookout over the next couple of weeks. We will have a finalist episode. We'll turn this down, list down to four or so finalists for each category. Then after that, we will have our proper second annual award show where we name everyone who won the award and who will receive their custom trophy in the mail. So be on the lookout for that. That is kind of the roadmap of the future. However, with that being said, we actually now get to dive back into basketball, which we are covering more this year. Ryan, I mean, I know you have a lot to talk about for you I mean your specific stuff and what you've watched and the rankings that TABC has compiled. So go ahead and kind of take it away with your thoughts on what's happened so far in Tabs basketball. Yeah, I mean, I I have like, you know, I got to see a lot of basketball and I actually got to see a lot of basketball even after because our last episode was Christmas episode, I think. Right. It was the last episode we did. So I actually went to the Whataburger tournament and I went to the fourth ISD tournament. I actually went to went to three tournaments in four days. Fun fact. So I was all around the area, all around the DFW area, and I was actually tracking down. Uh, there was a tournament that was out in uh uh, Lubbock and there's a tournament that was out in uh, Houston that I was invited to and stuff like that so I'm very thankful for um, you know being able to get invited to these things however it's you know sometimes I can't make my way out there so I apologize if I wasn't able to make it to your specific events um, and now I'm up here for school so um, you know we try we try the best that we can however I do want to mention this and if uh, Walker I can, I can send this stuff to you as well um, to put up on the screen right now but uh, you got this, the 6A SBC private school, 5A private school, and the 4A private school. All these are uh, the TABC hoops um, rankings as of January 3rd, 2022. And um, obviously, these are not all rankings, so I want to make that very clear right now. And I'm just going to give my opinions on them because I actually haven't, make, I haven't made my own rankings. However, I, I don't think these are terrible, but I do want to say a couple of things about them. So I'll start with the 6A SBC ranking. And 
it's it's what I, what I said at first was just they shouldn't be ranked together. And I think that's just because it's hard to put all these like t- it's, it's hard to put 10 teams on here when you have a ton of talent. It almost feels like you're you're getting rid of a lot of the teams just because, you know, you want to put SBC and 6A together. And I feel like it's kind of hard to even put some of those teams against each other just because they don't really play each other or whatever. It's, it's hard to do that. So I think they should have been separated. But Right now, they have Antonian Prep over um, John Paul II. And I actually, right now, I agree. However, you know, I still have my projected um, for my top four projected for the year. And JP2 was my 6A champion for the year. I actually have them over Antonian. But right now, Antonian's 25-1, if not better than that. Um, And JP2 has had a couple losses. They actually had to leave um, the, the Whataburger tournament early because, you know, in my opinion, I think it was probably because, you know, they got COVID or something or something like that happened, but they, all it says is they, they resigned from the tournament. And so they just had a really, really bad first game. And I think mostly it was just because they've been playing so often. And a lot of the guys are just like run down, but um, Green Hill is on that list. And I think they've played harder opponents than, than Bel Air has, in my opinion. And I think that's why they deserve to be a little bit higher than Bel Air. Not saying Bel Air is a bad team, but you have to realize that Green Hill has played a lot tougher opponents and there that's actually ranking Bel Air and SBC school higher than Green Hill, another SBC school. And I do have Green Hill winning my SBC. Um, in my opinion, I think they win the SBC. And uh, just so y'all know, cause it's a little bit different than football. SBC um, does a bracket for theirs. They don't do a four, a and a three, a it's, they all put all of them together and they put them in a bracket. So that's how they do playoffs for SBC. If you're wondering, um, Another thing, Bishop Lynch, uh, just having not Logan Epps and even Bryce Davis for this Bishop Lynch, um, it's just it's a scary team. I saw them play um, St. Mark's, and you know they they played super well at St. Mark's, and then St. Mark's is a very good team too, and they're not even on this list. You know, it's like like what I, I some of the stuff I, I you know obviously I haven't seen every single team on this list play, but you know I think you know St. Mark's over a 13 and 11 Houston Christian team. I don't know. In my opinion, that's what it should be, but we get down to five, a now and five, a, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that I was able to give my opinions on this. Cause I, I, I do have Woodlands winning at all, but after seeing McKinney play in the tournament, I, I'm almost glad to see McKinney over Woodlands right now. It's still very, very close. It's about as close as Antonian and, um, and JP two, but Austin Benini is still Austin Benini, still the kid at Woodlands, and they have built such a great crew around him there. And I think that just proves to be how good of a team Woodlands Christian is. Um, Grapevine Faith is a great team as well, and I want to make sure that they get recognition. The only problem with Grapevine Faith is just even though they're ranked three, it, it's really hard to put them super high when they just they've had a lot of injuries. Like they've had a lot of injuries. Um, the only thing is, I still think they're going to win their district. Um, their district is Legacy, Legacy Fort Worth, Grapevine, Southwest Christian, um, Quorum Dale, I think, is in there or something like that. Like, I still, I still think they're going to win that division uh, or the, their, their district. But, you know, it's it's not at this point, it, it, they, they've had a lot of um, injuries, and Josh Davis is still going to be a good player for them. But, um, you know, I don't know how that works. But I said forward Christian, but Southwest Christian is on there above forward Christian. And obviously some people are going to be upset about that because, you know, some people think that forward Christian is really a really good team this year. Um, 
a former Christian, the, the thing with them is, it's just like, I, I now Southwest is above them right now. I don't know if Southwest will be above them at the end of the year, but for Christian, it's it just, yes, they are a good team, but their record is, they put a really hard out of conference, out of uh, district schedule. I'll admit that right now, but even after seeing them play in person at that fourth ISD tournament, it's just a lot of turnovers and a lot of, you know, uh, plays that, you know, it, it wasn't enough for me to bring them higher. Yeah. And this four Christian team is a great team. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Alex uh, Basinikis or, or however you say his name, I, I always forget, but and Quentin Hupp is another great player for this team. The, this team is not bad at all. Um, D- Dylan Cubit, uh, I think it's his name, if I've said that right. And then you also have Maxwell Hyman, another great player who had three, it was three for three from three. So whatever, when I saw them play against a 5A UIL Southwest high school team, and they actually beat them. So, you know, they're not a bad team at all. Let me make that very, very clear. However, you know, ranking them, not, not putting them in the top 10 is definitely going to make some people upset. Um, going back to it, I'll, I'll go back to the, the last 4A section. And that one, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty set in stone, I'd say. Um, Grace Prep is Grace Prep. They're a solid team. They're 100% the best team in, that, in 4A. Um, I, I don't know about tying teams together. Um, it seems a little interesting. When you're doing rankings, it almost feels like, you know, you shouldn't really tie teams together. Um, but there are three ties on this list. Um, Westbury has a very high quality basketball team in Houston these past few years. Um, but I've seen, you know, a lot of good things from TCS Lubbock. I have, I know that this team is a really, really good team this year. All I keep hearing from people is, have you seen that Lubbock Trinity Christian team? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, like what is this team all about? And I watched some of their film and stuff like that. I think they're really, really good, but what I will say is after that tie for four spots, so technically five, when you hit six, I think after Colleyville Covenant, it's just kind of a drop off a little bit. Um, you, you start to hit a seven and seven shirt John Paul team. And, you know, at that point, not saying that those teams aren't great and all that kind of stuff, but I definitely think there was a little bit of a drop off there. So, you know, for a private school is about what it's going to be. I predicted Grace Prep to win. I'm pretty sure my, my pick still stands solid. I predicted 5A uh, for Woodlands to win. That's on the ropes right now with McKinney, with how good they are. Um, and even with some of these other teams on there, which I've heard Brooke Hill, you're about to talk about, Wes, and uh, Brownsville St. Joseph, a good team. Um, you know, uh, even Great Fun Faith, even though I said they have had some struggles, they're still you know, another team who knows, you know, we keep saying all this about former Christian. What if they're just turned into their football team and they have a really bad non, non uh, district schedule and then they just come out in district and they just blow the roof off. Right. Um, and then six, a, I think I'm right with JP two still, but Antonian prep is literally only lost one game this year and they played 26. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, I'm still on the ropes there. And then SBC, I think green Hills got it, but, Apparently this Bel Air team's pretty good and they have them ranked above Green Hill. So anyways, that's my little rundown. Uh, hope you all enjoyed a little bit of that, but I'll let Wes go back and talk about his experience down in uh, Tyler. Yeah. So I got the opportunity to go and cover the Wagstaff tournament. Uh, it's an annual holiday classic at Tyler junior college. It happens every year. We got to watch the private schools that we got to watch were Brook Hill, all saints. And then out of nowhere, um, the Texas Alliance of Christian Athletes and Houston, I think it was, it wasn't Houston Christian. Hang on. What was the name? Uh, where is it? Houston Legacy. Taka and Houston Legacy blew the dadgum doors off that gym when they came in. I got a ton of shots from both of those games. Both of those teams, just first off, were on a different level, not only from the private schools, 
but from every single other public school team in that tournament. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, they were there is Division One talent on all over those teams. You can go back on our Twitter to find it. But I'm mostly going to talk about the local East Texas team because that's who I was there to see. I mean, All Saints, you have a tremendous postman and senior, Colin Walker. I mean, you throw the ball down to him, he'll get you a bucket. I watched it time and time and time again. Also, sophomore Drew Jackson is a very solid guard for the Trojans. I mean, he has a very smooth-looking shot. He's very, very calm for someone of his age on the court and a very high basketball IQ. I'm very excited to see how he develops for All Saints under the returning coach, Eddie Francis. So... Let's see. And then Brook Hill. Brook Hill I watched more than anyone else because I watched their three games in the Wagstaff, then I went and watched them play La Pointer a couple days ago. Um, Brook Hill has a lot of talent. They're a top 10 team in the state, no question. I think you said they were seventh in in TAB's ratings. Yeah, yeah they were, uh, it, it's, uh, they're at six right now. At six. Six, six. I, I think that's fitting. I really do think they're that good. The problem is they play in that district with McKinney. And I think McKinney's on a different level than anyone, but I'll get into that later. But in terms of the talent on their team, senior Grayson Murray is a very solid option for them down low. Uh, senior Brady Callens is kind of the score of that team. I mean, I had my friend describe him to me as a bulldog. I mean, it's not the smoothest, most refined game, but you give him the ball and he finds a way to score. I can't think of an NBA comparison. It's kind of like Draymond Green. I mean, it's he's, but he's a he's a guard, so it doesn't really fit the forward. But he's very gritty and he just scores. It's really interesting to watch. However, I think Brook Hill's best player is junior guard six three Jacob. I'm going to butcher this name, Dulwiski, something like that. He didn't play in the Wagstaff. Brook Hill had probably seven or eight guys missing. However, I watched him play to the pointer. That kid is good i mean he's he's all state and 5a level good he's brook hill's best player i think bar none i'm really interested to see because i'll make sure i get to go watch a couple games uh this spring but i really want to see how he develops and how far he can lead brook hill and rounding out their point guard junior noah langemeyer is very very technically sound as well i mean he's everything you want in a playmaking point guard he distributes very well he can hit the corner three if he needs to i mean he's very very Calm, solid, high basketball IQ. I can describe other people. He's very good. I think Brookhill has pieces to certainly make the playoffs. I think they'll finish second in that district behind McKinney, but I just think McKinney's way too talented even for Brookhill. But we'll see. That'll be an interesting game to see where they are at. So the other two teams I watched both Grace and Bishop Gorman play each other. In terms of Bishop Gorman, um, Everyone in Tyler knows senior Sid Cleof. He's very, very talented. He actually signed to UT Tyler to play soccer, not basketball, but he's just as good of a basketball player. He's been contributing for Gorman since he was a freshman on that final four 2019 team. I mean, he's a very, very dynamic piece under coach Kevin Murray's Gorman squad. The surprise for me, and he was out this last game. So I'm just talking in previous experience. Sid was, but the surprise for me, was junior Adam Favre. I mean, he is very, very smooth and and solid. I mean, he's a very good player down there for Gorman. I really want to see how he comes into his own throughout the rest of the season. He's very talented. I think he's criminally underrated. I really want to see how he develops. In terms of grace, um, junior guard Darius Shankle impressed me a lot. He impressed me when I watched him last year as only a sophomore. Me and my buddy said he's going to be very, very good. Um, he has turned into a very good player. I mean, he led Grace to a victory over Gorman this past week. So it'll be interesting to see how Shankle 
uh, how his game develops as the season goes on. But those are kind of the Tyler teams. That's the guys that I'm seeing. And I will make sure to get back and to report on these guys as the season goes on and we get farther into basketball. However, I think that's all that we have to say on basketball. And Walker, you just alerted me of some breaking news that dropped literally, I mean, I think within the last few minutes. So why don't you give me a rundown of what just happened relating to a former private school player now in the NCAA transfer portal? Yeah, so a while back, um, uh, I got, I got right at the end of the season, I believe, uh, Deuce Hogan, former Grapevine Faith quarterback, son of Chris Hogan, the now current uh Cypress Christian head coach, now state champion head coach. Uh, he entered the portal from uh, from Iowa. Uh, he was that I believe he was an Iowa commit all of his senior year, and you know was the supposedly the future and all that. Things happened, and now he's in the portal. It was just found out that he is now going to Kentucky to play uh, to be the new quarterback there at Kentucky, and he will be technically a walk on. Uh, I believe he. Uh, that's how everyone is saying it right now. And he will be teaming up now with now current preferred walk-on signee with Kentucky, Josh Terrell, who went to Grapevine Faith. Um, so the Grapevine Faith boys are going to Kentucky together, having a great time. And it'll be seen to compete how Deuce Hogan will compete for that spot there uh, for the Kentucky position. So you're going from the Big Ten to the SEC, a team who beat Kentucky or beat Iowa this, is this year in their bowl. Um, it's insane. I mean – with how big the transfer portal is now, you never know where people are going to end up. You know, you know, for as an Aggie, we just had uh, Zach Calzada transfer to uh, Auburn. You know, you have Bo Nix to Oregon, Quinn Ewers to Texas, uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel to OU. It's it's an insane world for college football. And Deuce Hogan is now one of the future guys who, hey, what's a new place to start over and have a chance to start in the spot? And there he is. So, we, you know, he's been a guy who I know for years and he's a great guy and I wish him the best at Kentucky and hopefully whenever AM play him in the future, he doesn't hurt us too bad. So. It'll be incredibly interesting to see how that quarterback room works out for Kentucky with Deuce Hogan in it. And if he rises to the top of it, that'll be very, very great for private school sports. I think if he takes over that job at Kentucky, just, you know, for the prestige and even more accolades for former private school players. And I, I hope he does incredibly well at Kentucky. I mean, Lord yeah. knows he has the talent too. So. Yeah. And that's what that's in the past couple of years now for sec teams, you'll have, you'll have him at him at uh, Kentucky in the sec East, you'll have him at Kentucky and you now will have, uh, Drew Dickey at Vanderbilt. So in the SEC, you'll have two uh, uh. Tap, Taps D2 uh, stars now playing in the SEC East. You also had in the SEC West a couple years ago, of course, you had Nick Starkle, who was at Argyle Liberty. So, hey, private school quarterbacks have kind of had some good times there in the SEC. So, uh, but yeah, we wish them the best going forward, and uh, I hope they have a great time. So, Yeah, for sure. Ryan, I think I've mentioned something about talent in private school i don't remember if i said that yeah no did we did we say that on the podcast yet oh well there's talent in private school there's talent in private school just in case you didn't understand yeah uh, just in case but i think that's actually that on that statement that i've made 15 times this episode i think it's a good place to end it i mean we've covered a a bunch of ground i mean we got all of our semifinalists out of the way we will like i said narrow that down to finalists and then the individual award winners who will receive their trophies in the next few months or so 
And then we went all the way through basketball, me and Ryan covering that and get to end on a really, really fun note of a former private school guy transferring to an SEC school. I mean, lots of things are happening. It's really, really, this is a really fun part of the year, even though it's the off season, there's a bunch of other stuff we dwell into. And it's really, really exciting for all of us to have the opportunity to do that. But with that being said, I mean, barring any more comments from either of you, I have been Wes Tolleson, one-third of your hosting crew. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder, as always, have excellently been themselves. We will see you in the episode announcing the Texas Private School Football Awards Show finalists.